Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Today's episode is brought to you by our listeners and supporters over on our Buy Me A Coffee page. Thank you to all who support the show by giving our show a listen, leaving a review or comment, following us on our Twitter, or sharing the show with your friends and family. If you want to support the show further, check out our BMAC page for more information. Link will be in the description below. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Into the Night, a Finance of Freddy's podcast. I'm your host, Nick, and thank you for listening. As we have gone through the story of Finance of Freddy's, we have focused primarily on the events of main characters that shape the series. However, just like in real life, there exists plenty of smaller stories that we have never encountered and would become lost to time, whether through a lack of precedence or being overshadowed by more major events. FNAF is a series that holds many secrets, most of which their answers will never be found. But there do exist stories and timelines of events that give us a better insight into the world and the people who reside in it. Now, I know that I should have been more forthcoming with this and advanced on early episodes of the show, but there is no time in the present then to come clean. Truth is, I am, in fact, not just a defunct Phasma Entertainment robotic endoskeleton who likes to wear cool hats. I am a defunct Phasma Entertainment robotic endoskeleton who likes to wear cool hats, but also has access to what many would call a collection of totem books containing a plethora of eldritch incantations. Incantations that allow me to look through the fiberglass barrier of realities and peer at the unique alterations that have occurred within them. I know, scary and very complicated stuff. You know these books more colloquially as the Fazbear Fright Novels. And since I am located in a secret location, these have just been collecting dust, so I thought why not shake them off a little bit and see what resides in it. What's the worst that could happen? To ease us into this what if, I have to know of a story that is not too far up from the one we have been exploring. In fact, there is a large possibility that the story actually did happen in the canon timeline of events that we have been discussing. The difference is the focal point, as our main story primarily follows the bloody streak that was the poisonous Afton family, but in this story, we focus on how the actions of William Afton truly affected the world. Snuffing out the light of something as pure and innocent as a child is an unforgivable crime, one that does not simply get forgotten about in the world, and that wound is at its hardest to heal when it is the death of a loved one or family member, someone who once lived in the house you now roam. 
the place they feel most safe in, the place you feel most safe at. Parents will crumble, and siblings will wither away in isolation. What if we saw the full effects of the missing children's incident? This is episode 19, Coming Home. story begins with an innocuous minivan, a parent picking up their child after school. Inside the old family van, a young girl named Susie has her face pressed against the back passenger window. She dots her eyes rapidly as she watches the trees fly by. They were all beautiful, but nothing compared to Oliver. Oliver, the family tree, had been with her family longer than she had been alive. According to Susie's mom, who was busy driving the minivan, Six generations of her family have lived in their house. Susie's great-great-great-grandpa had even been born inside of that house, and even then, Oliver was standing there. Samantha, Susie's younger sister, who also was looking out her own passenger window, albeit much more contemplative, had said naming that tree was stupid. Her parents said it was unusual, but Susie wanted to name it, so she named it. As they pulled into the driveway with the sound of crackling gravel underneath the tires, Susie could see Oliver. He appeared sad. More than half of Oliver's branches were bare, including the one that suspended the tire swing she loved to play on. Leaves of a variety of colors surround the ground next to the tree. Susie remembered she gave Oliver his name because she thought leaves falling from the branches meant that he was crying. And if he was crying, that must mean he was sad. Susie's mom had to explain that Oliver wasn't crying. He was preparing himself for winter, and he would grow his leaves come spring. He has to let go before he can regrow, she said. We all have to do that sometimes. While Susie understood the explanation, she still couldn't help this time to feel like Oliver was sad. Normally the leaves are bright and beautiful. This year they were duller and dry. As, um, as soon as, uh, we get the groceries put away, I'll, uh, start dinner. Susie's mom spoke slowly, with a weird spacing in between her words, like she was forcing words to come out from her throat. Dull and brown, Susie thought. Susie saw voices as colors. Her mother's voice used to be a bright and orange, but more recently had darkened. Does spaghetti sound okay? Susie didn't respond to the question because she didn't care about dinner. Her sister Samantha was a micromanager and loved to be the one making decisions. I think we should have those curlicue noodles instead. Her voice was also different, Susie thought. It had never been that bright, more pale blue, but now it was a noticeable gray. As the minivan stopped and left the stairs of the roundabout porch, Samantha unbuckled herself and threw open the door in a hurry. She was always so busy, Susie thought. Susie's mom, however, didn't move. Even after turning off the engine, she was staring off into the distance. Susie noticed her mom would do this more and more often. She would stop in the middle of doing something and her face would go blank like she left her body and it was waiting for her soul to come back to reactivate. Something tickled Susie's nose. At first she thought it was the onions in the grocery bags in the back of the car. But it didn't smell sour. It smelled like something going stale. Rotten, perhaps. Susie's mom finally moved, sighing heavily as she slowly moved out of the car to get the groceries inside. Susie glanced through the window shield towards the hanging gray clouds beyond the green roof of her house. They were heavy and dark. Susie decided to retire to Samantha's room to play. While they both had their own room, she loved being with her as she worked. 
Susie crossed her legs and sat down with a pile of dolls to play choir. Samantha kept glancing over at Susie's dolls as she played. Sometimes she made an expression that looked like anger. People always said Susie looked mischievous while Samantha looked more proper. She never truly understood why. They both had the same dark brown hair and eyes. The only difference was Susie's hair flowed around her face while Samantha's was always in a ponytail. Samantha glanced back at the doll Susie was playing with before rearranging her dolls to be more proper. Samantha usually didn't mind Susie playing with her dolls, but her micromanager personality constantly wanted everything to be organized. Susie liked things where she left them. Poor things would have to end up backed up in bins when she was done playing with them. Do your dolls want to be in my choir? Samantha didn't answer. Susie wrinkled her nose. She knew her mom was cooking downstairs, but the air should have smelt like spaghetti sauce and garlic bread. It was there, but steadily so. Instead, that smell, that rot, was not only present but overpowering. Whatever the case, she went back to playing with her dolls. Even without Samantha's doll, she still had a good choir. Susie picked up a ruler and tapped it on a foam block in front of her dolls. Then she began waving the ruler back and forth the way she had seen a director do it. Susie may have gotten about three waves in before Samantha suddenly stood up and kicked Susie's dolls away. Susie watched the old tumble on the carpet or were thrown against the wall. Now Susie would have to set up a hospital to heal her dolls. Samantha glared back at Susie before running out the room. She wanted to run out after her, but Susie had learned it's better to be quiet and let Samantha be alone when she is moody. Susie's mom appeared in the doorway. She must have heard Samantha thrashing about. She looked tired. Susie noticed her mom wasn't wearing her makeup anymore. Black rings formed below her eyes. Susie got up and walked over to her. Mom, are you okay? Tears began to form in her mom's eyes and Susie felt her heart sink. I feel like something is wrong. Something bad happened, but I don't know what it is. Susie's mom covered her mouth with her hands and streams of tears spilled from her eyes. She pushed away from the door and walked down the silent hallway. Susie wrapped her arms around her legs. Something was wrong. Samantha was outside blowing bubbles in the front yard. She wasn't doing it for fun, per se. She originally did it to study air currents. Now she did to keep her mind off things. She looked over towards Oliver. The tire swing swayed in the light breeze. The evening air was cold and had that fall scent. Taut and musky. Samantha heard voices. She turned toward the wide sidewalk in front of their house and saw a group of five kids in it. They were all in their class. Three girls walking bikes and two boys, one with a scooter and the other with a skateboard. The girls were ahead of the boys and called them to hurry up as they didn't want to be near the house any longer. One of the girls got out to Samantha. Hey, Professor. It was a common insult that threw her away, followed by the not-so-unique nickname of Freak. The boy with the skateboard pushed the boy with the scooter. Come on, Drew. I hate passing by this house. The girls murmured in agreement. The house Samantha lived in wasn't what one would call spooky at first glance. It had that appearance of a medium-sized farmhouse with a lot of fun colors splashed around it. Mainly it was yellow, but the trim was a collection of purple, blue, pink, orange, and white. The surrounding houses of the neighborhood were more uniform. Gray, tan, and cream. Little personality, nothing but conformity. I used to play with them when I was in kindergarten. She was always so serious. One of the girls pointed at Samantha. But at least she would talk to you then. Now it's like... The girl shrugged. I don't know. As the kids finally passed by the house, the boy with the scooter trailing behind the group spoke up. Yeah, but... You can't really blame her, though. The group ignored his comment and simply ushered him along. When night came by, it dropped by so fast it was like someone in heaven threw a black blanket over the sky. Samantha and Susie got ready for bed, and, as usual, Samantha didn't protest when Susie got into her bed. 
Despite being older, Susie never liked sleeping alone. Samantha's back was to Susie, her head facing toward the window, and she was resting as far as possible from Susie without falling off the bed. The stars out in the night sky were hot tonight. Only the faint glow from the silver of the moon could be seen through the clouds. The only other light came from the dimly lit porch lights in the front and back doors. The room was cold, colder than usual. The cold never bothered Susie, but she knew it bothered Samantha. They had always slept under two thick, soft blankets, but tonight Susie couldn't seem to get warm. Susie turned towards her little sister. Are you awake? Samantha didn't answer. Not unusual, since she didn't like talking at night. I keep having this bad feeling. Like, something's wrong. The world smells funny. It reminds me a little of when we leave leftovers in the container too long. <laughs> and then Mom would tell us to clean them out and we would have to hold our noses like this. Susie couldn't help but giggle, but Samantha didn't make a sound. Oliver's leaves aren't the right color either. They're not bright enough. And Mom is acting strange, you know? Samantha simply breathed, in and out. Samantha simply breathed, in and out. Susie sighed. She closed her eyes and tried to go to sleep. Susie's eyes shot open. Had she fallen asleep? Did she just dream that sound she just heard? She laid perfectly still, listening. No, she didn't dream it. Something or someone was walking around on the porch. She got up and cocked her head to listen closely. She started to hear taps between the thumbs. Smith had got up and swung her legs over the side. You heard it too? Smith didn't reply. She didn't move from her position. So he decided she would have to be the one to check it out. She ignored the cold air she tiptoed out of the room and down the stairs. Susie paused by the kitchen island and looked at the pale yellow glimmer creeping in through the kitchen window. The digital clock on the stove read 11.50 p.m. The refrigerator hummed, the faucet dripped, and the continued shuffle of thumbs and taps continued outside the porch. It moved alongside the house, moving around toward the back door. Susie went to the back door, took a deep breath, and opened it. Just then, Samantha reached over Susie's shoulder and slammed the door shut. And for the first time she said goodnight to their mom, Samantha spoke. There's nothing out there. Back to bed. She turned and marched out of the kitchen, making it abundantly clear that she was supposed to follow. As Susie went upstairs, she spot the same yellow glimmer emerge from the kitchen window. She passed by her mother's room. Her lights were still on, she could hear her mom talking to someone. She knew it wasn't her dad because he had left a while ago. No one told her why. Perhaps that was what made her so upset, and why everything felt so weird. Susie's mom, Patricia, was talking on the phone with her best friend, Jenny. They had been friends since they were Samantha's age. They had gone through school, college, and grad school together. She was like the sister she never had, and when Patricia got married to Hayden, she was her mom's maid of honor. And when she had children, she became their godmother. When Samantha went back to bed, Susie lurked in the hallway. Part of it was hoping to hear her mom laugh. If she was talking with Jenny, she always used to make her mom howl with laughter. But not a single chuckle even came. Instead, the conversation sounded serious. Susie's mom was constantly asking if she had been doing this right. It sounded like Jenny was trying to reassure her. Another reason she didn't go back to bed were the footsteps. They appeared again. Susie descended down the stairs slowly, pausing on each step. This time, the sound was coming from the front door. The porch window curtains were drawn, making only blurred outlines of the outside world. She could spot the porch railings and Oliver standing guard in the front yard. 
but the curtains couldn't blur the figure that Susie saw stalking past the porch. The shape was too big, so it only distorted it. The shape moved slowly and deliberately, lurching towards the front door. Its head swiveled as it walked past, and the figure's eye glowed a violet purple as it searched the interior of the house. The clock on the wall read, 11.55. Even though Susie wanted to hide, she couldn't. She knew that. She went down the steps slowly. The figure slowly crept to meet her at the front door. Susie followed the noise past her dad's old office, past the kitchen, and finally appeared at the front door of the house. It was built out of thick wood, painted over and over again to keep it looking prime. Mint condition, frozen in time. But Susie was always reminded every night that time couldn't be stopped, no matter how much she wanted it to. The footsteps paused. Susie reached out for the doorknob and opened the door. She widened the gap between the door and the frame by increments. Before taking a deep breath and looking up. She was here, waiting, as she always did, every night, frightening, familiar, persistent. In front of her was a familiar face, a yellow animatronic chicken wearing a bib with the words, let's eat. In her hand, she carried a plate with a cupcake on it, with eyes and buck teeth and a candle on top. Her name was Chica. Chica the chicken. Is it time to go back already? Chica lifelessly held out her free hand. Her mouth didn't move. Susie knew Chica wouldn't answer because Chica didn't talk to her. Susie looked back at the house longing, but she knew it wouldn't do any good. Letting the robot take her hand, Susie walked away from the house. Every step made her feel less like herself. By the time she passed all of her still fallen leaves, she was lost. In the brisk late morning air, Patricia and Ginny sat side by side on the porch swing, padded by yellow floral cushions. Wide-brimmed straw hats on their heads helped shade their faces from the sun, and tea in hand aided to ward off the fall chill. At first glance, it would be seen as idyllic. It wasn't, at least not to Patricia. Even in this perfect scene, it was hard for her to make normal conversation. In the past, they both used to be able to smile and laugh so easily. Now, Patricia didn't think herself capable of doing that anymore. She took a shaky breath before she spoke. I'm wondering if I should take Samantha to a different counselor. She cringed at how weak her voice came out. Rhonda is nice, and Samantha likes her, I think. Honestly, it's hard to tell. But I talked to Rhonda last week, and she says Samantha is stuck. Samantha is keeping something to herself, but nothing Rhonda is doing will get her to talk. Samantha has always done things her own way. That child has an opinion on everything. Patricia tended to smile, but only got about halfway there. (laughs) Remember how she used to mess with Susie relentlessly about naming that tree? What's his name? Oliver. I'm sorry. That was insensitive. It's been a year, and I should be able to get through this. There aren't any shoulds when it comes to losing a child. Isn't that what your counselor told you? Patricia gazed at Oliver again. Tears spilled down her cheek. She was always anthropomorphizing things. I never saw a problem with it. There wasn't a problem with it. She was an empathetic child. With a vivid imagination. Which is why she was so easily lured. I should have discouraged her flights of fancy. I should have- Stop it. Not all murdered children were like Susie. 
You don't know that it would have been different if she'd been a different kind of child. You can't keep trying to find a reason to blame yourself. Patricia looked down, surprised she still had tears left to shed. I hated that place. It always seemed so creepy to me. But Susie loved it. Are we going to have to go over this again? I need to. No. You don't. Yes, I do. I can't just forget. I can't just forget. Why not? How are you helping Susie by torturing yourself? with details over and over. Patricia wanted to yell at Jenny, but she didn't have the energy to do so. Jenny took both her hands in hers and looked in her red eyes. Your daughter was murdered by a serial killer. She was lured to her death in a place where she should have felt safe. There. We've dug it up again. Feel any better? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The missing children's incident was hard on everyone in Hurricane Utah. While the children may have been killed, they weren't the only ones that were destroyed in the process. Families withered away, friends struggled to cope, and the air around the town wafted with misery and agony. Some were never able to recover. Aiden, Patricia's ex-husband, left his family because the death of Susie was too hard to take. Whether he has been able to heal is unlikely. Every child that William Atta took was another family he shattered, another community dismantled. Sometimes it isn't dying that's difficult. It's living with death that is hard. Samantha, for instance, still struggles with the change. It was messy, as was the therapy. Before she saw her current therapist, Rhonda, her mom took her to two other therapists who just asked her to play with messy toys in a messy room. She liked Rhonda because she was more direct, more conversational. The same day as Patricia and Jenny were on the porch, she had a session with Rhonda. Samantha originally thought it would be just a normal conversation, but was perturbed by Rhonda not facing her. When she turned, she said that she was worried Samantha's mom would want to move her to another therapist. When Samantha asked why, Rhonda responded that it was because they weren't making progress. 
There was something Samantha was holding back, and she wanted to talk about it. Samantha had lingered over it for a year, clipped it close to her chest, afraid to let it out. But she didn't want to lose Rhonda. So for the first time, what felt like forever. Samantha opened up to what was on her mind. Before Susie had died, we had a fight. It was over a doll that Susie and I shared. Her name was Gretchen. Our mom told her we had to share her. I hate that. I want mine to be mine. I don't take Susie's stuff, so I should have my own stuff. I tried to explain to Susie we should get Gretchen for a certain time. And when Gretchen was with me, she would study. Susie got upset about that. She said Gretchen didn't like to study. Gretchen liked to go to the zoo. She wanted Gretchen to play with her stuffed animals all the time. Said if she studied, Gretchen would be sad. We had an argument, and Susie ran away and hid Gretchen. When she came back and told me what she did, I told her I would find Gretchen. Susie got upset again. Before that night, she told me she was going to find a better hiding place for Gretchen, and I'd never find her again. I think she was thinking about where to hide Gretchen, and that's why she got taken. She thought whoever took her would help her, that stupid doll. It was the only conclusion Samantha had come to. Even after her death, she still hasn't found the doll for over a year. Okay, now, we know this isn't true in our canon timeline. Susie wasn't lured by the fight over a doll, nor was that the reason why she was lured by William in this version of events. Susie was killed by William Afton in canon timeline because he had stalked her and knew that her family dog had died. Whether or not he killed that dog is unknown. What we do know is that he used her grief and vulnerability to more easily manipulate her to following him into the back rooms. But the circumstance to what the true reason to her death doesn't matter in this case. What matters was that Samantha blamed herself for the death of Susie, as did her mother, and most likely, her father as well. Back at the house at night, Susie sat on the end of Samantha's bed watching her read a book. She seemed tense and held the book stiffly, taking her time to turn the pages. I have a confession. I miss you guys when we're apart, and I know you miss me too. Samantha turned a page. Her hands trembled. And I miss Gretchen. Do you miss her? I don't know why, but I can't remember where I hit Gretchen. For some reason, Susie just couldn't put where she placed that doll. She wanted Samantha to help her, but she wasn't responding to her anymore. So, she was on her own. She thought of a way she could think back. She looked through an open drawer and pulled out a construction paper and crayons. That was it. A picture might help her communicate with Samantha. Susie's mom called Samantha for something and she left the room. Perfect. Susie continued to draw. For some reason, though, it took a lot of effort to make any mark in the pink construction paper, but she was eventually able to make it work. A few moments later, she heard the sound of approaching footsteps. She hurriedly finished the drawing, and when she was done, she left it lying on the floor. As Samantha burst through her door, she headed straight towards her desk. She had an art project to do tonight, so she needed to make sure she could get her picture done in time. But before she reached her desk, she noticed a piece of construction paper on the floor. She could see indents and marking on the other side of the paper. Samantha hadn't started drawing yet. Her mom was downstairs the whole time. No one else was in the house. That meant... Someone left this here for her. Samantha didn't want to look. If she looked, she was afraid to see what was written. But she stared at the pink paper for a long time. She eventually mustered the curse to pick it up to see what had been written. At first, she was confused, until she realized she was staring at a three-part drawing like in comics and newspapers. The first panel, on the left, was a drawing of two girls. One had a ponytail, the other had long hair. They both seemed to be reaching for a smaller girl, perhaps a 
baby floating in the air. Behind the long-haired girl, a big chick with spiky teak held its hands up. What? The second part showed the moon over a house. It looked just like Samantha's. The girl with flowing hair was walking away, holding hands with the big chick. The third and final drawing was the same. A flowing-haired girl walking away with the big chick in hand with the moon in the sky. There were some swilly marks on the bottom that she couldn't comprehend. Susie could see that she wasn't grasping it, but she wanted somebody to help her. So she started to draw again. <gasps> Samantha could feel the air shift around her, and for some reason knew she couldn't turn around. She giggled a bit, but not out of anything humorous, but more out of overwhelming hysteria. She breathed in and out for a moment. The air in her room had become thick and sticky. When she knew she could, she turned around to her desk to spot another drawing with yellow construction paper. On it was a drawing similar to the last two panels of the previous drawing. A child walking away with a chick with a moon in the sky. The second panel was the same, but the moon was bigger. The third and the moon was full, but the chicken child were gone. Susie was hoping by this point that Samantha would talk with her, but she knew now that she never would. As Samantha went to bed, Susie was about to join her before the sound of thumping came to the porch. Almost automatically, her feet took her to the entryway. When she got at the front door, she could see the silhouette of Chica between the outlines of the door frame. She opened the door to see Chica once again waiting for her. The light was playing with her robotic body, so it looked as if she was breathing. Perhaps she was. Do I have to go now? Susie hesitated before doing as she knew she must. She held out her hand, and she came close her stiff, cold fingers over her own. <sighs> See you tomorrow, Samantha. They turned their back towards the house. Susie had no choice but to go along. As they got further and further from their house, their footsteps became synchronized before they eventually became one. Leaves crunched under their feet as they left Susie's house behind. In the hushed stillness, Samantha heard the sounds of footsteps leave her home. When she heard them no more, she pulled the drawings that she found and looked them over again. She noticed in the hand of the girl with the ponytail was holding a mirror. No, not a mirror. Was it a magnifying glass? It was clear after a second look the drawings were of Susie and her. But what it was supposed to mean was confusing. If she was holding a magnifying glass, maybe she wanted her to search for clues or search for something, but what? The floating baby in between them? Or could it be a doll? A missing doll. It was Gretchen. Susie drew these, and she was asking Samantha to find Gretchen. But what did the chicken mean? In the second collection of the panels, the moon was getting bigger until they were gone. If each panel was a different day, Susie was going to be here for only two more nights, somehow. So she had two nights to find Gretchen before she was gone. But she still didn't get the chicken. When the next morning came, she went immediately to the basement and started to search the house from top to bottom. She started in the basement and turned it upside down before coming up with nothing. She moved to the living room, the dining room, the porch, the backyard, and the front yard. In every room she went through, she thought more of Susie. How she would always question simple things like how glass was made or why the porch lights were called a fixture when they didn't fix anything. She thought of how she always wanted to hunt for elms around Oliver and how she was terrified that people killed trees to make furniture. The parents had to spend hours convincing her that trees don't feel pain. They never succeeded. And neither did Samantha. She felt she turned the entire house upside down and couldn't find Gretchen. She didn't want to risk making a rowdy noise in the kitchen before her mom woke up. She would have to look behind pots, pans, baskets, utensils, and open cabinets after cabinet. She would have to try another time. Until then, 
Gretchen would remain hidden. When she got in her mom's minivan after school, she could feel Susie within the car. She didn't know how she did it, but she wasn't there this morning. But she could feel her now. She wanted to tell her mom what she was feeling, but she didn't want to risk her thinking she was crazy. Especially while she was driving a car. When they got home, Susie watched Samantha merely beeline towards Oliver. Almost all his branches were bare. Only a few leaves kept him covered. While Susie was happy that her drawing had worked, she couldn't help but laugh at where Samantha had been looking. She looked into Oliver's tree trunk as if she would hide it in such an obvious spot. She felt Samantha as she searched the entire house. Susie still couldn't remember where she had hidden the doll. She originally hid it under a bed, very unoriginal she knew, but moved it in a few hours it was there. Where it was now was as big a mystery to her as it was to Samantha. Samantha looked in her parents' room but came up with nothing. She spent the entire evening searching but couldn't find anything. After an evening full of searching around the house, her mother started to become suspicious. So Samantha reluctantly had to call it quits. She got into her PJs and went to bed. It was almost midnight now. Susie knew Chica was coming. She felt herself be pulled and wandered around the house to meet Chica at the front door. She didn't understand why she had to do what she was doing. Why did she have to leave her family? She didn't know, but she was always compelled to. Susie opened the door and a couple of Oliver's leaves flew into the house from the heavy wind. The moon was full and shining. Susie reluctantly held out her hand as usual. However, Chica didn't take it. I'm... I'm ready to go. Take my hand. I'm ready to go. Chica lifted her left foot and walked to the house. Smithers' eyes flew open. The front door slammed shut loudly. Her heart began pounding. She had just woken from a nightmare. She was being chased by something around the house, and she was trying to hide in her father's office. Samantha's eyes grew wider. Her father's office. She never checked his office. The same thumping sound she had heard previously outside was now coming from inside the house. It was indistinguishable. She had heard those sounds for months. She thought she had imagined them. She clearly hadn't, and now they were coming closer. Chica, stop! What are you doing? Susie screamed and yelled for Chica to stop, but the robot didn't listen. Susie tried to follow, but something kept her glued to where she was. Chica began slowly creeping up the stairs. Susie screamed for Samantha to run. Samantha vaulted out of the bed and ran to her bedroom door. When she ran into the hallway, she spotted a larger man-sized yellow robot with horrible sharp teeth one step from the top of the stairs. Chica? She ran back to her room and slammed the door shut. She dove under the bed and hid. The door opened she spun her orange with her feet across the wood floor. This couldn't be real, but it was. Samantha was trembling. The feet were surfing around her bed. The sound of metal joints whirled as she saw the robot bend down. A yellow face with purplish eyes and deadly teeth peered at Samantha. Samantha crawled from the other side of the bed, hoping to run past Chica to the bedroom door. It was too late. The rope was already standing in her way, staring at her with a dead look in its eyes. Samantha ran to the windows. Chica's footsteps slowly approached. She was shaking, but she was able to unlock the window and crawl out the window before she heard the ripping of fabric. Chica had her nightgown in one hand. She was able to tear away a part of the fabric and scramble down the trellis. She crawled down towards the porch, never looking back and feared that creature chasing her still. But why? Why was she chasing her to begin with? Her mind flashed back to drawings of her and recalled the chick. It was Chica. She didn't want Samantha to be searching for Gretchen. Samantha had to find Gretchen. She knew now where to look, and this was the last night she could finally save Susie. 
but could she get to Dad's office before Chica did? Susie could only watch as Samantha quickly darted around the house with Chica trying to follow her. She wanted to help, but her feet were kept in place by an invisible chain. As Samantha entered her father's office, she cursed herself for not thinking about it before. Probably because she'd always just just trying to forget her dad. Her dad left the family after Susie died because it was too hard. That's why they needed him. That's why they needed each other. But said he had to go. That's why Smith was on her own now. Her dad was gone. She knew her mom was drugged to sleep upstairs and her sister was dead. She was murdered and that was pretty good reason to leave a family. She was on her own now and had to save herself. She didn't know how smart Chica was, but she did turn on the kitchen lights before entering her dad's office. At the very least, it would be at the very least would buy her some time. As she searched the office, she recalled her father had a pull-out bookcase in the corner of his desk. She pulled it out and spotted various treasures her dad didn't take with him after he abandoned her. Those didn't matter. What mattered was Gretchen. Her curly hair thick with dust and polka dot dressed bright as ever was sitting on top of a lean pile of books. She grabbed the doll and hurried outside, hiding behind Oliver. Susie watched Samantha hide behind her. She wanted to go to help, but stopped when she felt Chica behind her. She turned around and saw the massive yellow robot extend her hand to her. Susie grabbed on despite it being the last thing she wanted to do. She screamed at Chica that she wasn't ready. Chica grew, but Chica's grip just grew tighter. She couldn't pull away. She knew she couldn't. She had to go along. Samantha watched Chica slowly walk away from the family porch, down the stairs, and walk past Oliver. Samantha tensed. What should she do? What could she do? Before she could decide, she saw Chica begin to fade away. Not thinking, Samantha screamed. Wait! Susie heard her sister scream. Chica didn't pause, but Susie finally did. Chica was still willing to walk, but something equally strong was willing her to go back. Caught in the middle, Susie couldn't move. Chica! I have to go back. I have to. Chica looked at her with those same dead eyes. She felt the air shift around her. Chica let go. Above her, Samantha saw the last leaf on Oliver's branch start to shake. After a second, the leaves near Oliver's trunk swirled up from the ground and then out and away from Oliver. The night was breezy, but the wind wasn't going in circles. The leaves dispersed, and Susie suddenly appeared in front of her. She looked the same as she did when she was adopted. The same pink dress and bow on her head. Samantha stared at her before holding out Gretchen. Susie opened her mouth to say something, but stopped short to take the doll and hug it close to her chest. I found Gretchen. Susie, I've missed you so much. Susie nodded and reached out. Samantha didn't hesitate. She embraced her sister one final time. She felt just as solid as she was when she was alive. I love you. Samantha felt a wave of emotion flow over her, but it wasn't dark or oily. It was light, warm, and fizzy. It was a wave of love. Susie let go and Samantha brushed the tears that ran down her cheek. Susie smiled and then turned towards Chica. Samantha watched the yellow bird take her sister's hand and watched Chica lead Susie and Gretchen away. They disappeared as soon as Oliver's last leaf fell. It was bright and full of color. Goodbye. Samantha felt an emotion of letting go, and the promise of something new all in one. Susie was leaving, yes, but this wasn't the end. Samantha knew it was the beginning. Just like the happy ghost story that mom used to tell them at bed at night, Susie was going where she could be with her family. Forever.
I believe that this is a perfect stopping point for tonight's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to stay updated, please consider subscribing, following, or sharing this podcast. It truly helps us broaden our reach. Consider following us on our Twitter at Fazbear Podcast or supporting us on our Buy Me a Coffee page using the link in the description. Next time, you're going to look at another story within the Fazbear Fight novels. A strange story with an unordinary robot with the capabilities of not only being able to adapt to modern devices, but also the ability to retrieve anything you ask to find, regardless of what it is. Next time, we'll be going over the Fazbear Fright story and introducing the titular character, Fetch. Once again, I've been your host, Nick, and thank you all for listening. Have a good night. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.